Hi, I'm Lisa. I'm Sean. And I'm Caleb. And this is Watcher Harry, a podcast where three obsessive and slightly drunk friends discuss the wider Harry Potter universe. And as a reminder, this is never good for children. We use foul language. Uh, It's not safe for work. Keep it in your headphones. I like that it wasn't just like, it's not appropriate for children. You're like, it's not good for them. It's not. It's bad for them. They shouldn't shouldn't listen to it. This is bad. bad This is not part of a complete breakfast. Not recommended (laughs) for daily intake. Yes. (laughs) What's up, y'all? We haven't recorded in a minute. In a while. It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. I miss you. Well, hiatus. All right, should we talk about what we're drinking then? I heard some beers at Kraken while we were talking. We did. We did do it. All right. Yo, Caleb, you want to go first? Yes. I am drinking because tis the season. Got Southern Tier Pumpkin Nitro. I haven't tried it. Have you all had Southern Tier Pumpkin Beer? Not on the Nitro, but I I have had. Yeah. I find Southern Tier to be quite superior when it comes to the the pumpkin beer game. Lisa, I heard you just say that you don't like it that much. I'm not like overly fanatical about it. Um, I'll do a couple of season, um, but wait, let's see how this nitro is. Mm. Velvety smooth, like a pumpkin pie. Yeah, it's like subtly, oh, that's fucking good. It's like yeah. a cornucopia. I wish you had saved one of the disgusting Dunkin' Donut beers. Holy shit, guys. I drank like six. Caleb texted us a couple of weeks ago and was like, I got the Dunkin' Donuts harpoon variety pack. Ray wasn't harpoon. I want to call out the right person who did this. Yeah. Yeah. Whoever was in charge of that. No. It was a 12 pack for $10.99 at my. That's how you know it's definitely not going to be good. And that's why I bought it. And like, the worst part about the whole in-depth... So it was a variety pack with blueberry matcha IPA, um, which I will never forget the smell of. And there was a maple <laughs> donut brewed with real donuts. And then a midnight something that just was good. It was a dark beer. And then a, a bit, like a sickly sweet pumpkin beer. Um, and I spilled the maple donut on the carpet in the living room. <laughs> so... <laughs> Finally, is a donut this, growing in its place? It's, yeah, it's um, the great pumpkin is growing there. But my sister finally this week, this was her birthday weekend. She was like, I need you to shampoo the carpet. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, you, you got you got to do it right now. <laughs> it's like, yeah. I'm sorry. It that was it was vile. And I was hungover because I just I went for it. It was I don't recommend. But if anyone tries it, let us know how awful the blueberry matcha is. That none of that sound. Blueberry matcha IPA are just like words that don't sound like they should be together. It was vile. It was like candy. Ugh. But it was ten ninety nine, and I got drunk. Mm-hmm. Yeah. What are you drinking, Lisa? Yeah. Um, I am drinking. Oops, I'm drinking um, a Fort George, um, called the Farmers Annuary, um, and it has a sloth wearing uh, a cowboy outfit that's wonderful it's so cute and, and a goose oh. wearing a farmer's outfit oh but you that, love you it's love not on a tractor on i do love birds <laughs> it this needs is, to be on a tractor easy way to get me on board is if you put a bird in a costume on your beer is it the um, same brewery as the last 
Bird? It is not. No, this is Fort George. So this is, um, uh, I believe the brewery's in Oregon. It is in, where is it? Oh, it's in Astoria, like the Goonies. Hmm. So better. Nice. Better. How's it oh. taste? But yeah, no, they, they really, they really had me with this, with this sloth and a cowboy costume and a mm-hmm. goose wearing a farmer's outfit. It's just the whole thing is, is great. Um, I, I haven't tried it yet though. Really um, it's, well a, it's an IPN. Nice. And it's good. <laughs> What's it taste like? An IPA. Nice. They nice. all do taste the same. Yeah. Unless they're milkshake. Unless they're uh, blueberry matcha. Unless, oh, geez. I'm going to. That's just true. I'm going like, to cross myself like in years. I feel like you say it and I, I can smell it. <laughs> it's fucking nasty. Uh, but on that note, Shawnee, what you got? So I have, I'm finishing up my like summer beers to, to make way for fall. Um, so I had one last of those Kate May seltzers, the Osei, can you see the ones that are like the melted rocket pops? Mm-hmm. I really need Kate May to start sponsoring this podcast for yes. the <laughs> amount of free advertising we give them every episode, but <laughs> so I've still got my electric blue compound V, uh, looking juice. So y'all posed a topic today mm-hmm. that I don't entirely understand. So, and then eventually you, you both kept talking about it and I just went with it because I got too embarrassed to say, I didn't know what you were talking about. Um, and then I just let it go and did zero research. Didn't mm-hmm. read your notes. I have no idea what we're talking about today. Fantastic. Um, may I take this one? Please do. Yes. Okay. Uh, so Today, we're going to be discussing the real-world finances that surround the franchise of the Wizarding World. <laughs> Lisa, I like to imagine you were just like, oh, we're going to play accountant for Harry Potter, the character, today. Like, like I, I, I do understand that is sort of what it like the first time we talked about it. <laughs> Sickles and nuts. Yeah, and y'all, y'all really, like fed off of each other in a way that I didn't totally understand in the group chat and I was just like it's too late it's too late for me to understand so I'm not I'm not gonna do anything in preparation for this. it's all good it's all good I I kind of made a request of like may can I take you on a ride with this one and then yeah Sean who was like in the loop was like yes <laughs> yeah I'm on I'm on board always um can I ask why Yes, I love that question. Um, Yeah, I've been really curious about how the money flows around the franchise since since we started the podcast, just because from the very, like, from the get-go, we were discussing, like, the ethics of being fans and Mm -hmm. spending money on a franchise where the author's problematic and the turf um so I've just been kind of like like my ears perk up around like like the monetary value of the whole thing because I'm just curious about it um and we will be discussing those ethics as we proceed through the episode but um what really sparked this for me was uh going into Barnes and Noble and I'll just recreationally check out the Harry Potter section because it makes me happy um but I saw like on one of the shelves one time, they were selling like Gringotts gold for a lot of money, which is fake. And they were selling, 
<laughs> not real gold. <laughs> Believe it or not. Fucking ridiculous. It was plastic <laughs> for like $50. And then like a, a golden snitch for like $50. And that kind of made me be like, okay, hold up. What the fuck are we spending money on when it comes to the merchandise in this universe? So I wanted to do a deep dive on like how much money the films have grossed, how much the books have grossed, how much the merchandise is still grossing, um, and really just learn more about it. And then we can have a more informed discussion about what it means to be fans who participate by spending our money in the franchise. Did this potentially also stem from the fact that you are just in a deep, deep conspiracy theory rabbit hole? No, I'm just very depressed. Okay, neat. <laughs> Great. Okay, cool. Cool. Um, I'm jobless. <laughs> Go ahead. And before we jump into that, because Caleb, something you had asked me, I think just like over text was, you know, what does this Harry Potter landscape look like in comparison to other famous book franchises mm-hmm. because obviously like Harry Potter has expanded so 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 far out of just like being books Good but then you know that is what what it started and so I was kind of thinking about some other authors um or titles that would be in like a similar category and just like I cannot th- I can think of a couple that maybe come semi-close but like I'm using close real loosely here. Like th- this is something that is, it has to be fairly unprecedented, right? Mm. So maybe like, you know, Lord of the Rings would maybe be the closest I could think of. In t- and it's, it is different because obviously Tolkien is dead and has been for, you know, quite a while. Um, And so you don't have this live author who's doing like a lot of this marketing work for you. Mm -hmm. But I mean, like we've had Lord of the Rings movies. We've had, you know, republications of a lot of the books. Um, There's now the TV show. Um, I know, Lisa, you've been to like the Shire area in New Zealand where they filmed. But like that is probably the closest thing I can think of to having like stage shows and movies and theme parks and Mm -hmm. behind the scenes tours and you know all of that stuff like yeah and even even what lord of the rings gets feels quaint in comparison to what harry potter has yeah totally the only thing that i could think of in in just like somewhat of a comparison is star wars just that franchise right yes like granted not okay don't come at me i know there's books I don't know them. I've never read them. Yeah, I was um, I was going to say Star Wars gets a little bit of a leg up because it did start as a movie. Like, the, right. like getting your book just to the movie screen is right. crazy. So, That's yeah. crazy so hard. Mm-hmm. Right. And like Star Wars certainly kind of like did a little bit of the reverse, but it's the it's the closest I can think of because it has such a like ridiculous fan base. Um, that also goes above and beyond any other kind of fan base that I can think of, right? Like they now have their own theme parks at Disney World, Um, Mm -hmm. but like still their own theme parks and they have heaps and heaps of merchandise. And that's the closest thing I can think of. And even that I still don't think probably makes a dent in what Harry Potter does. Yeah. And if you're thinking of like modern, like living authors that would maybe come close to her, in terms of at least one with like personal wealth or just the kind of fan base. Like, I mean, obviously like Stephen King has heaps of money, tons of books. A lot of them have made the jump to movies. Like, but you know, there is no, there is no Stephen King theme park. 
right? Thank like, God. Granted, like, I would like to go. I would go. It'd this is so my scary. this is my pitch for someone to theme make park. Stephen King theme park. Um, Don't let him be involved, though. I think he'll make it creepier. Make <laughs> He's like, it should bad. be really upsetting. Yeah. <laughs> it should be really upsetting. No one should leave this theme park feeling safe um, in and their it must, personal lives in any aspect of their and it. And it must be in Maine. So the weather's going to be shit most of the, <laughs> the time. time. Um, or or even someone, and, and like Stephen King is very, very wealthy, right? Like he's the closest thing we really have to like a celebrity, you know, fantasy writer right, right. now. Um, or may, maybe, and this would be on a way, way smaller scale, someone like Neil Gaiman, who's seen his books mm-hmm. get turned into movies and podcasts and TV shows. And like, he has a lot of, his fans have a lot of access to him. He is like personally famous even apart from the books but again like yeah. this is just to indicate like the people that i've mentioned you know at least the, the two living ones are you know artists with more money than any author could ever ever hope to achieve and they don't come close to no. the empire that harry potter has had yeah Correct. yeah i find it funny uh in doing the research for this that jk is referred to over and over and over again as an author and I'm like, nah, like she is a mogul. She's a multimedia yes. like, yeah, empress. Yeah. Um, far above and beyond being an author. Um, but as I found uh, data around like how much money she's made and everything, she's always credited as like the highest grossing author, um, which I wonder, how does that strike you, Sean, as a writer? So, I mean, I... I, I know I, I would I want to see what the breakdown of that is because mm-hmm. I know she has made a shit ton of money from the sales of the books. I don't know how much like when you're talking about her crazy personal wealth, I don't know how much of that money comes from the merchandising and mm-hmm. the the movie, like uh, the other stuff that isn't just based off of her books. Yeah, I am pretty sure that if you're just looking at book publications alone, like she probably still is the best grossing author yeah 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 i wonder and i and i don't you know i don't want to take away from her what she did she is the author of harry potter she achieved what i mean you just that doesn't that doesn't happen that's like hitting the jackpot five times and being struck by lightning each time like it it, you know that doesn't I, i can't i can't discount the work that she did. I've said on here before that I I think she's an incredible storyteller. I don't think she's the world's best writer. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's evident from the fact that her other books are not not very, very good. good. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, and and don't do super well. I mean, they they do well because they have her name on it, right? Like there's there's right. now just people who will buy it because she has written them, but they're not. They don't critically do very well. Um. I have read one of her non Harry Potter books and like, I probably liked it better than most people is the casual vacancy. And it right. still was fine. Mm-hmm. I couldn't even get through it. it yeah. I didn't and, and even most, bother trying. Yeah. A, lot of, a lot of people can't. Um, yeah. But I, you know, I, I don't want to just, I don't want to discredit that. Like she was first and foremost an author. I don't know that she's still first and foremost an author. So mm-hmm. I would, you know, uh, like you said, Caleb, she she is a mogul now, and she's mm-hmm. not just referred to her as like an author. Feels very quaint. <laughs> it feels mm-hmm. quaint, and it it's it's a different league. It's a right. different league. Yes. Yeah. yeah. It feels yeah. different. Like I think she would probably say first and foremost, she is an author, right? Like she would still probably say it that way. 
Mm-hmm. Um, but she's a businesswoman. But she's a oh, businesswoman. It's yes. a good way to put it. And a crazy person. <laughs> yes. Yes. Um, I I think while we're talking about her, um, which I'm sure we will throughout the episode, I want to give credit where credit is due before getting too cynical. And Sean, you already started to do this. Um, but just to acknowledge that she was living like technically at the poverty line and was a starving artist um, when she first sold sold her book. Um, and it didn't do well immediately. It took a little over a year to, to get in, gain any traction, which I guess isn't that long. But she sold the rights to the first book to Scholastic for $150,000. So just to measure the difference between what she's doing now and what she was able to do back then is pretty fantastical. Man, Scholastic I, made out like bandits. Yeah, okay. they fucking did. Okay, they... <laughs> so when you say she sold it for 100 like, that was that was her cut? Like, that was her advance? That's what I... Um, I don't know about an advance. Okay, so I don't... I don't know the answer to this. I will say getting a six-figure advance does not happen. I don't think it was an advance. Okay. I'm sorry. I think it was, um, so she- Like sold the rights to publication? Yeah. So she got it published by someone else who she then went on to like dedicate things to. um, And then Scholastic picked up on the buzz and then swooped in for $150,000, bought the rights to it. Okay. Yeah. I don't know how that part of it works. Mm -hmm. I know more from like the- the writer side like if she had gotten a six-figure advance on essentially like her first children's book like that's fucking insane yeah 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 it doesn't sound like that was yeah. the case i'm sure that is immediately the case after that <laughs> oh yeah and I, I i yeah i actually haven't looked into caleb you probably have like what her net worth is um mm-hmm. i don't even i don't know if it's like super publicly available i'm sure if you did a little digging you could find like what she was paid for each subsequent book but we're we're talking millions millions oh gosh yep. yeah should we speculate on how much she's net worth is that what your hope is from us uh yeah we'll definitely get there can i uh can i please continue can i can i take you on a ride through my process Mm -hmm. a little bit at the risk of another history of magic i promise it's not that um (laughs) but i would like to share my screen (laughs) please do i love Uh, visual aid if i have the rights so here's what i did today I wanted to go back to the root of what inspired me about this topic. So I took myself to Barnes and Noble (laughs) to the merchandise section and I had a look around and I took some pictures of. Oh my God, you went on a journey. I don't have a job. And so (laughs) I went to Barnes and Noble and I started to look at just like, I'm going to I'm going to try to keep my opinion out of this and I'm just going to walk you through what some of these things are because one of my guiding questions with all said and done is whether or not consumption is like at the heart of this fandom or if it keeps the fandom alive or if the fandom fuels the consumption because some of the things they sell, some of the licensed things are very, like no one's asking for this book that is the blueprints of Hogwarts. No one's asking for it, but I'm sure people are 
are buying it. Oh, and if you notice, sealed. has a security seal on it because it's like $75. <laughs> so like all of these things, this actually was really cool. So this one, if you turn your head sideways, um, this is a journal that looks like a pensive and the and oh, it cute. wand and the pens are little, you know, the little things to put memories in. That's cute and nice and fine. Um, but that's also like maybe $30. I, I looked so weird in there. Um, Harry Potter, here's a book called Harry Potter, a magical year. It's a 365 day look into the series to say what was happening on every single day with quotes and excerpts from the books to correlate with the day. Um, and then there's things like this glow in the dark Harry Potter coloring book, which was like, not even that much glow in the dark, um, Harry Potter origami, this dumbass Grindy Low plush. Uh, it's, so for, it's so ugly. Uh, is it a pixie? pixie? It's ugly and it's twenty. Yeah, Cornish pixies are ugly. Um, I thought these journals were. All right, cute. don't even come at me with the Harry Potter Legos next, because Harry Potter Legos are objectively fucking cool. I'm not here to just be critical, because some of this shit I like salivated over when I was a child. Um, Legos, but now. So like, all right, let's talk about the Legos. So the Hogwarts castle is one of the most like in demand Lego products. They didn't have it at the Barnes and Noble. You have to like get it special, um, but they can retail for up to $950. Oh my God. What These the Lego fuck? sets. So here will, will, uh, will one of you tell us a little bit about the different Lego sets you see? Um, here yeah so you've got the flying car with the dursleys like fred and george and ron breaking harry out mm-hmm. you've got i'm what i'm assuming is the gryffindor common room because it's like the north tower of That's hogwarts the astronomy tower oh okay so i'm wrong there um we've got just lots of hogwarts pieces yeah um, just- that fit together um yeah like i that- remember i had hagrid's hut as a child so this Um, one did you play with it a lot did you like oh i loved my legos i was such a lego nerd i had harry potter lego star wars legos oh this one has a basilisk oh this is the chamber of secrets one like these are some like bitchin lego sets right like they're really fun i always i like literally always wanted them when i was a kid but they're so expensive they're so expensive that they have the security tags on them at barnes and noble and this is only like a small portion of the lego Wow, look at how many Legos that comes with. Comes with eight characters. Yeah, it's got like all of them. And the characters are arguably the best part of Legos, I think. Oh, they're cute. Yeah. Um, so, and then here we have all the characters' wands. We have different, there's just like, oh, this one I thought was funny. It's a baby book. And on the front, it says Little Keeper. And on the inside, yeah. it's just like pre-sketched out places to write all the baby milestones. Um, so my point here, oh, this, I want to actually buy this Harry Potter Trivial Pursuit. <laughs> I very much want to do that at Christmas with you both. Um, this I thought was the most inane piece of shit, uh, dumb thing in there. It's Hermione's like enchanted bag. It's just like a $40 Okay, like now the, if it's actually enchanted though, $40 a is a steal. It would be a steal. 
but it's so I, I see your picture of the monster book of monsters and like I, I do this want is it. a it's a pillow <gasps> it's a pillow it's a oh pillow. that's even better it's it's a 30 dollar licensed pillow and it tell you what it's not very comfy mm, it's got eyes fair. on it it's got some like paper feeling teeth on it do you guys um, remember what your first piece of merch was that was going to be one of my questions um my I first guess. piece of merch was a trivia board game <gasps> oh it was really fun did you have that too did it have the like translucent little hat in there no, no, I didn't have that, but I was thinking mine must have been Legos, but mine was, um, I think it was called like a mystery at Hogwarts and basically it was Harry Potter clue. Ooh. Yeah. Oh, they had that too. Mm-hmm. The old... And it was very fun. Mine was, was do you guys, do you guys remember they used to have like Warner Brothers studio stores where they have like Disney stores or. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. There was, it was right before the first movie had come out and my parents were in like like Atlantic City for the weekend or something like that. I was staying with my grandparents and they had gone into the Warner Brothers Studio store and they like knew that I had read the hair. Like, I guess there was maybe three books out by the time the the first movie came out, two or three. And they knew that I really liked the books. And I don't even know if I knew the movies were coming out because I was like a kid. And at that point, you know, you weren't as like inundated with, you know, pop culture knowledge or, or ads right. or whatever. And they were like, yeah, we were like talking to like one of the employees and they said they had like this really small section of Harry Potter merch because like no one knew how big it was going to get. The movie hadn't come out yet. So they bought me two keychains and one was like a little stuffed snitch oh. and one was um was just like, you know, like a like whatever, like a keychain that said Harry Potter. I still have the keychain like my keys are on it. Oh, that's but I, so cute. But I remember my parents being like, yeah, the guy said that like you'd be so excited if we brought you back like this snitch or whatever. Oh, he had no idea what that would turn into. Yeah. And I'm sure these things were like, I don't know, $5, $10. Like they were mm-hmm. super basic. Like it is so, it is funny for me to think like, oh, my first piece of Harry Potter merch was this like snitch keychain. And now mm-hmm. it's like, do you want a $900 Lego set or an exact replica of Hermione's bag from the, you know, seventh yep. movie? Yeah. My God. Yeah. And it's, it's fun. Like, merch and toys and these things like they are fun it's a way to like continue the fun outside of the verse that we're given we also can't forget that like merch is also in fandoms it's a really important part of like showing community um Mm. that's why people have harry potter tattoos that's why people have shirts from their favorite shows or whatever like i have multiple like stranger things t-shirts like you wear Mm. them and it's fun when people see you and they compliment you and you're like oh it's because we're we're both in this community like right, it, it yeah. is a way of making bonds with random people mm-hmm. absolutely um and and a way of making royalties for everybody um yeah. so barnes and noble specifically um i read that a couple of years or maybe the year after the release of the last book, they reported a steep drop in earnings the next year because there was this gap where there were no more Harry Potter releases. So, Mm. and that goes to show you just, you know, this was such a stimulus for um, like the, the print, like the book industry. So like books alone, not even merchandise. So it makes sense why they would want to like 
keep capitalizing on the licensing rights that they have and keep making money off of it, especially when you're in a store like Barnes and Noble, where it's co-located with the children's section, you know, you're like raising new fans of, of the franchise and giving them access to the stuff. I'm like pro merch. I'm not anti merch. Um, this is meant to be more so like commentary, I guess, but um, I think we get the point. There's a ton of money flowing around this franchise um, around different things. And I wanted to, or we will talk about the parks. I was going to do that on the front end, but we could do that when we get down to the parks. Um, Cause Sean, I know you've attended the parks and I'd mm-hmm. love to hear how much your trip cost. Um, but in the course of my research, I went down many a rabbit hole to see like ticket prices, different costs of like food and bev in the parks and like different merchandise and things like that. We don't have to get into all of it. Um, do you want to jump into some of these big numbers that we have? Sure. Yeah. All right. So I want you to take a stab, both of you, at what JK's net worth is as of 2022. So I know... $10 billion. So I know, I know very famously she is not, she is not a billionaire because she has made so many philanthropic like donations in her life that she has basically kept herself out of billionaire status. Um, $700 million. Very close. Sean and Lisa. Very close. We have, uh, Sean, you're not wrong, but you're not not wrong. So um, she is apparently now worth 1 billion US dollars. Okay. Um, and that oh is my God. 850 million pounds, which hits 1 billion US dollars. She has donated uh, at the date of whatever I read. So maybe 2019, an article from 2019, she's donated about 150 million in her philanthropic endeavors. Um, these numbers also, grain of salt, might be either out of date or incorrect because she's pretty famously private about her um, her like personal life and her finances. So that I figure... wish you I wish she was more private about her personal life. Oh, I believe. honey, don't I know it? Um, <laughs> yeah, just button yeah. that up, J.K. Button that shit up. Yeah, your Twitter fingers. Uh, put this. Put the safety on those things. I don't like that phrase. Um, <laughs> Twitter fingers. Twitter fingers. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so she earns an average of between fifty and a hundred million per year just from different facets of the franchise. Um, so, like, I think the last exact figure I found was in twenty seventeen. She made like ninety million. Good um, God. So she's just like raking that shit in. Now, with that said. So billion dollars, all of these numbers moving forward are going to be in US dollars. Um, So the author herself has made around a a billion. So what would you two estimate to be the net worth of all of it? The books, the parks, the internet shit, the video games, the movies. I'm going to go off of the really big cheat that I just did and looked up this Wikipedia article. (laughs) Um, by accident and i'm gonna say around 33 billion dollars oh okay sean what do you think you probably also read stuff i i that once you start getting into the billions like that just makes so little sense to me like you you could tell me anything yeah so it it's uh 
estimated to be as of 2022 around 43.19 billion. Oh my god. In my research I was like, "Oh lord, what countries is that greater than the GDP of?" But I was happy to learn that GDPs are in the trillions. So she's oh. not more wealthy than a country. However, she is now officially richer than the late queen of england <laughs> wait, wait, are you saying she she is or the franchise is she is as a person i okay. just i just wove those two in a, into a very confusing sentence but so she's richer than the queen of england um but the franchise of harry potter is like i don't know it doesn't scale to a country like i kind of hoped it would um but that's but a so shitload of crazy money. it's a shitload speaking, of fucking money speaking of the queen of england something mm-hmm. to remember is that all of the events of Harry Potter took place under the reign of Queen Elizabeth II. Oh. Her silence on Voldemort's <laughs> rise is definite. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, I, I like that there was no mention of the monarchy. Yeah, just the prime minister. They like brought in the PM for like one, one I said one episode. God, I'm tired. Um, one chapter, and then they were, didn't mention the royalty we know there's a wizarding royals right yeah are there no wizarding royals how do we, like we talked about this in something did we we would I but i don't remember well we have no reason to believe there are i guess right. is better. they don't talk about it so wait so this means that winston churchill knew about wizards <laughs> <gasps> winston churchill knew about wizards that's that's canon. canon that's canon he definitely did um okay so I was going to put you both through the rigmarole of, um, God, the, in my head, this is going to be really interesting, but but now that I'm saying it, it sounds boring. I was going to ask you to try to like rank for me what you think were the most lucrative parts of the franchise, no, but I could just tell you. I like it. Can you give me the, can you give me things to guess? So <laughs> do you have the, uh, the notes in front of you, Lisa? Uh, no, I'm looking at nothing. Okay. So. Okay. In the notes, I have purposely laid a false trail. <laughs> Neat. This, this beer also is eight something percent, and it's <laughs> really hitting my eyes right now. Um, so, are you going to pull it up or no? It's, it's no oh, worries. I wasn't planning on oh, it. Oh, no, no worries. Okay. You? So, we have. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> here are the categories we have the, the books, parks, the films the games, meaning video games, and then merch slash toys, and then the website itself. Um, So I was curious to hear from you two, if you could rank them, what you think would be from least to most? Least to most, okay. Website. Yeah, Lisa, let's do this together. Okay, website? I think website. Yeah, Um, great. Then I want to say video games yeah yeah i would say video games and then um uh what was what else was the movies books merchandise theme parks i think merch is really high up there i think so too i almost want to put the books there where i'm also not writing this down so i don't know that's fine okay i mm, I want to theme put, parks. I, I want to say theme parks. 
because I think in the theme parks where you're actually making money is off the merch. Okay. That's a good call. Um, okay. So then we've got website, video games, theme parks, books. Maybe books. Merchandise movies. I would, I would put, I would put, well, maybe. Yeah. I don't know where I'd put merch or movies, but I'm fine with that. Okay. All right. You want to hear what it actually is? Yes. Yeah. All right. Um, So least grossing is surprising comes in as the play. So the play. Yeah, it wasn't an option. Oh, well, I'm so sorry. (laughs) (laughs) We would have put that probably. I'm so sorry. Um, The play. Uh, So despite holding a Guinness world record for highest grossing play of all time it is in fact the lowest grossing facet of the franchise so um, and i mean it is still making like i don't know something like 1.5 1.7 million a week a week so i took a forbes <laughs> article yeah um Shit. and it harry potter and the cursed child clocked 2.3 million in ticket sales in a single week the highest of any non-musical in broadway's history um and i was able to find i think it was like a more recent where it was it was making over a million a week in ticket sales. It's interesting. So pre-pandemic, absolutely. It like holds. Oh, I'm sure. Yes. I, I'm sure that that's record. different. Also important to differentiate play from musical. So like it doesn't hit. I was one. Okay. Musicals. That makes more sense. I Just was like, musicals feel like they would really and knock that out of the wall. Absolutely. That, yeah. that does. That, that makes sense to me because as we've already kind of covered with how expensive some of the merch was, um, mm-hmm. Maybe I guess 2019, it was like the year before the pandemic. Yeah. I had looked into getting tickets for the show and mm-hmm. for both me and my husband to go to both because the show's broken into two parts. Mm-hmm. It was going to be like between six and eight hundred dollars for like Fuck. not that great seats. Jesus. That ain't gotten shit on Hamilton, which is eight hundred for one fucking yes. ticket. And, oh right. God. And I mean, we are yes, we are also talking about like Broadway is like it's, play. Broadway's its own its own monster. I'm pretty sure like really shitty seats for like the new funny girl that Leah Michelle is is going for like five hundred dollars a ticket. Like yeah. it, it. I mean, so uh, yes, it is it is crazy. But this is also a play that had been now open for several years. Yeah, yeah. Back at its heyday, um, and even a when did it open? Like 2017 or something. Um, 2016 maybe 2016, somewhere around there it, it was it, it had that that high ticket price now fortunately for people who uh, hate things that are good they can go for a ticket price of about $75 yeah. um, I did so, see Hamilton finally on national tour for like $75 that's amazing now it that we've all seen it already every <laughs> single penny I never seen did it. you see it you didn't watch oh. the. You didn't watch it on Disney. Oh, Plus. I did, but like that's not the same. It's not the same. Um, any hoodles? The play still making money, um, but because this franchise is in the many billions, uh, it's less not than two hundred million is not pulling its weight. Great. Okay. All right. So next we have the website. Yes. Yeah. And a Yamaha keyboard. Did you get and a Yamaha keyboard? <laughs> um, so I didn't know that Pottermore was Rowling's baby. Did you know that? 
but that she like created it I didn't know it was like her I didn't oh, know yeah she it was, has like, always been her thing to be like no idea she wanted to create it so that she could like be direct to the fans yeah I thought it was right? nerds like us who no, she was like I JK, respect absolutely. you yeah I think it was also she like was like when these books end, there's going to be a power vacuum that fanfic is going to fill and she wasn't mm-hmm. going to let that happen. Yeah, which in- incredibly strategic. I think Oh yeah. conceptualizing her as a businesswoman is like really on point because she knows how to keep control of her verse. So between 2014 and 2019, that those are the only, these are the only numbers I could find. Um, it grossed around 209 million, um, reached its peak in 20. 20- 17 when it made around 54 million um and then they started to realize that it wasn't making as much money and then they rebranded as the wizarding world so if you're someone who used to go on pottermore now it's the wizarding world and oh my god guys i keep getting emails from them i think i got drunk and like bought a membership (laughs) i think i paid money for something because i like get these emails and i'm like First yeah. of all, I'm not a Ravenclaw. I don't know what happened. Did <laughs> I buy you something? No, I think I like, I think I, yeah, anyway. <laughs> that's, that's a sad story. Um, next we have the video games. So, all right, we're about to jump from the millions into the billions. So the video games. And now when I say video games, I mean every single like shitty motherfucking. The PC video every, games. Yeah, every piece of shit. Thing that they launched which has historically been just like a source of derision in the harry potter community um 1.9 billion now oh my god have either of you seen the video game that's due to come out next year yes i want to i want us to hold on that because i the, our goblin episode is coming and we need to talk about that video okay game. <laughs> yeah because it's like the goblin rebellion it's like yes. the uprising. Oh, shit. Yeah. It is, that shall we say, fun. problematic. Oh, is it? Oh, oh is I've it? seen. Oh, I was gonna say it sounds fun. I've seen the beta of the gameplay, and the gameplay actually looks really. John says good. no, no. Oh, from from what I understand from some of the discourse around it, it oh, is uh, no. people are people are struggling with shall shall we shall we say some of the more anti-Semitic portions. Of, oh shit! Of the of the uh, the goblins in this universe that are oh yikes. that are coming out in this she video game, but we will but wait wait for our upcoming goblin uh, episode. Okay. Bro, we'll, we'll unpack it. Um, that's unfortunate. Yes. So next we have the toys and merch. Oh, I'm shocked. I know, right? Toys uh, and merch. Merch. <laughs> uh i'm finishing this beer right now um uh, 7.3 billion dollars and the lego products are some of the top sellers and in, in the highest that demand they are some of the top collector's items when we're not talking about resale or auction items from the movies themselves i did it i did a ton of research here guys um next we have we'll publish it honestly i had this idea today i was like i really could have had a master's degree by now if i just like (laughs) put all of this time and energy from this podcast into a fucking degree i could have a master's degree at least um next we have after toys and merch we have the books the books 500 million copies sold worldwide um and these are the original seven not like the peripheral Mm -hmm. other uh translated into 
80 languages sold worldwide. They've grossed $7.7 billion. Um, and so Philosopher's Stone is the second best-selling novel of all time after what book do you think? Not the, the Bible. 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 No. no, novel. No, we know like the Bible's number one. Da Vinci but... Code. Oh, fuck. Oh, what a good guess. Is that right? Am I right? Uh, I think you're right because I read that somewhere, but I read elsewhere that it was The Hobbit. Oh, so maybe. I don't know. The Hobbit. I don't even know which. The Hobbit's the, the best. I would have guessed. Of them. Yeah. Yes, correct. Great. I would have guessed none of those. So, um, what was your guess, Lisa? I didn't have one. I was gonna panic order. <laughs> it was gonna um, and just like panic order. <laughs> um, the secret. The secret. <laughs> <laughs> um. Yeah. Okay. So we we could get to the bottom of that one. I'm a little drunk. Uh, next we have. What do you think? You think what? What's theme left? parks? It's got to be theme parks. Yeah, movies have to be number one. Guess who's wrong? What really? the fuck? No you way! Too. Oh yeah, yeah, you're wrong. What? How? All right. So the movie gross from the eight Harry Potter movies alone, ten point five billion dollars making it the third highest grossing film franchise of all time second to star wars i don't know if this is correct not star wars no the marvel movies those and then what else i don't know i think this is incorrect but i read this on the internet the james bond movies oh oh uh there's so many of them there's so many of them right and that's why our data is so skewed by like i would love to adjust these numbers i would love to know if they're adjusted for inflation Mm. um somehow adjust them for like how long the movies have been out and how many movies there are i think that would be i would i am shook that they gross more than star wars me too i've read i read a bunch of different lists that put star wars on the list um, very close by and I think I only read this James Bond in one place and I didn't cite my source for this you know it doesn't thing. surprise me all that much mm-hmm. because there were just heaps of there's so many James Bond films right like yeah. like since like the 60s through now right but right? there are so many Star Wars movies there's nine in the like Skywalker to the prequels, line, yeah. <laughs> right? And then yeah. there's they like Rogue oh, One, they count. and then there's Solo. like Solo, which um, uh, I disagree. Like, I fucking love Solo. I, I really sh- should I give it another shot? You should. I Solo okay. is so fun. Fine, I'll give it another shot. Um, so uh, you'll see that I inserted a chart. <laughs> Caleb, mind putting glasses up their nose. I'm not even wearing glasses. Um, Yes, and is not wearing glasses. I'm not wearing glasses at all because they're dirty. They're always dirty. Um, Okay, so Fantastic Beasts, the three films grossed about those movies. One point six billion. Um, These movies, 
suck ass. The reason I, I dropped the I like chart, the first one. The first I one's fine. The first one's the good. The first one, I tolerated the second one, and I had a fucking fit about how bad the third one was. Oh, I would reverse those two. Uh, the second one was absolute garbage trash that I couldn't even finish. Yeah. The third one, uh, objectively, the whole scene with the uh, chimera made me cackle the entire scene. So it, for that scene alone, loved it. Very well. I'll accept that. Um, but our our box office gross tells the story of how fucking disappointing this franchise is um, because the worldwide box office gross for the first one uh, was $811.7 million. And then when we get to the secrets of Dumbledore, the third one, it's uh, a little, it's 404.5 million worldwide, which is Ouch. like really That's so abysmal. awful. That's abysmal. Does for... it go, but like, so to compare, right? This is, this feels a little bit like comparing like apples and oranges because, right? Like the first one was a release solely in theaters. Mm-hmm. The third uh, right. one was released straight to HBO. Interesting. Yeah, I do think that pandemic numbers are probably messing with this a little bit i hear that this information is from statistica.com um so i do know that the numbers are adjusted for inflation however they didn't say anything about like releasing straight to hbo which is i think the numbers are right i think oh yeah i I think what lisa's saying it's probably not super necessarily fair to be like and this did half because it was so bad i hear that completely thank you thank you for that um, but the fact is, these movies still did not did not make enough. Oh, they were not so, good movies. Uh, and I ship this franchise. Like I, I really I liked the first one. Yeah, and I and I did like the second one. And then Sean, one. I think you saw the third one. You were like, it's trash, and I was like, but I haven't seen the third. So I have oh only, shit, I'm so I wrong. have only seen the first one. Um, as I've said maybe on this podcast before, and I know I've said to to you guys a bunch of times, like. I am just not that interested in extended universe. I am like very, I, I don't love the original Harry Potter movies. I am like firmly in, no. in the books for, uh, for this series. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was never going to be like the prime Harry Potter target yeah. uh, for these movies. So it might not be completely fair to go by my opinions on them. Cause this yeah. was like the epitome of something I did not ask for. Yeah. Re- yeah. yeah. I feel like the reason I liked the first one in particular was because it wasn't a movie that could ruin something I already loved, which the original movies uh, already did. So you thought. <laughs> and then, and then. And then Jude Law enters. Going. Um, and yeah. so, uh, yeah, no, they tapered off real big time bad for me after that. Uh, the second one, just off the rails garbage. I think there's supposed to be five, but the performance of the third one was so poor that they might not do five. There was supposed them. to be five. They're supposed to take. They're supposed to take us through World War Two. Great. Ew. They should really just release like a coming attraction and call that done. Yeah, I. Just so I loved. May, this might not belong in this episode talking about Fantastic Beasts so much, but like I loved the first one because it showed us, um, nineteen twenties America, and like. Uh, they use different slang they like it just they really nailed the aesthetic or maybe it was even earlier in the 1920s i really appreciated the aesthetic of it and how much it like was it had a lot of originality and then the other two were just like bad action movies yeah my, so 
my my husband is is not a Harry Potter fan. He doesn't know a ton about the universe. Um, he did see the first Fantastic Beast. He loved that movie mm-hmm. because his biggest thing was he's like, I got to see all of these different creatures. Like yes. it just felt very fun and like semi low stakes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And he was just like, I liked just being in this world and being like, oh, here is like, it's not a bunch of characters I should know or whatever. Yeah. It's just like look at all these cool animals. And there's just this guy running around trying to find all these cool animals. I'm like, yeah, I I get that. I get how this was, this was supposed to be a way for new fans to enter the franchise, Mm -hmm. um, which was smart. It's something Marvel's doing all the time. Again, knowing that there's so, there's so much lore and there's so many movies and giving new audiences, easy entry points into a series is really important. Um, Unfortunately, the Fantastic Beast movies just kind of fumbled it after that point. Yeah. Yeah. They lost their fun. By the third one, it's just, like, fucking confusing. I might have been stoned. I was. But I don't think that's why it was confusing. And slow. And just, like, dark and sad and not... Except for the one scene in the prison. Objectively hilarious. I don't even remember what you're talking about. (laughs) (laughs) I hated that. I I hated that because it was so fucking ridiculous. It was so stupid, but I thought it was so funny. Tonally did not match the rest of what they were up to in that movie. Oh, green. Absolutely agree. <laughs> and uh for the listeners, Lisa was doing the crab hands. I thought it was so, funny. Yeah. Now you know my humor. Oi. <laughs> Oi, vey. Um, okay, one more bonus question. Sean, you're gonna have a hell of a time editing this episode. Um yeah, sorry. What do you think was the highest grossing film of the original Harry Potter movies? Ooh, seventh <laughs> movie part two. Seventh movie, part one. Okay. Between the two of you, please argue. Uh, I think, okay. Seven, seventh movie, part one, because it had everybody hooked in the beginning. They're like, this is the last movie. We're fucking ready to go. I'm gonna hit it. That's it. And then the reason it's not the part two is because people did not like the first part. So they were like, fuck this. I'm out. Interesting. Sean, what's your argument? I think it was part two. I liked it. I, I liked the seventh. I mean, it was fine. Um, fine. Uh, I don't, I don't, I didn't love the, the general, like at that time where everyone made their movies, their last movies, two parts Everything. that got kind mm-hmm. of exhausting. I'm looking Twilight. at you, Twilight. I'm looking at you. Twilight. <laughs> I just That's watched that for the first time. <laughs> um, even though I do think, I do think Breaking Dawn part one is the best movie in the Twilight franchise. <laughs> Fuck you. I think it's part two. It's I love the best part one. one. Fuck you. I've never seen any She of doesn't even movies. start. Kristen Stewart doesn't even start acting until the last movie. Oh my God. I disagree. I, I, whatever. I, I love Breaking Dawn part one. Lisa, if you've never seen them, maybe we'll do a spinoff podcast, like a oh, limited release yes. podcast of making you watch these movies. Of making me watch <laughs> Lisa's reaction. I did. Full disclosure. I did read the books. Oh, I've read the. I fucking love the books. So then maybe Lisa, you'll watch the movies and I'll read the books for the first time. And <laughs> well, Sean, yes, and I will, will spiritually lead governess. you both through it. Yes. <laughs> um. So okay, Harry Potter. I do. I think it was the seventh movie, part two, because I think people who were even casually invested in the franchise were like, "I'm going to see how this ends." Yeah. Um. So Sean, you're correct. Fuck. Part two tops the entire movie franchise. At $1.34 billion. Now, oh, fuck. without belaboring this point, what do you think is the second highest grossing movie? The fourth one. Ooh, interesting. 
sixth one. The first one. Oh, really? Coming in at a little over $1 billion. Good God. And I think that's adjusted for inflation because Statistica.com is great. Is it because you think it's a Christmas movie? Yes. Yeah, that must be why, because everyone plays it at Christmas time. (laughs) I don't even think it was released at Christmas time, but great Um, callback. If you haven't listened to our Christmas episode, go there and agree with me. Um, All right, now, the parks. The thing that you're most curious about, I obviously have the least information about. Um, So the parks have pulled in $11.84 billion, and we're measuring that in ticket sales. So the limitation of this data is that we don't know what's publicly released hasn't been specified, like where are the money breakdown is, whether it's merchandise or whether it's ticket sales or whatever. Um, but we have that figure of $11.84 billion. So, so here's my, here's my issue. Here's my question. I don't expect you to have the answer to it. I just want to put it out there. Put it out there. My issue with it going with ticket sales is that I only have experience with the Orlando Universal Studios one, Mm -hmm. but like you just buy a ticket to the park, yes, like not to Harry Potter. So if I'm just like, I fucking need to go on the E.T. ride today, like and I go to the park, like my ticket sale, is that also going towards Harry Potter? Oh, you don't have to buy a separate entry for no. Harry Potter. Mm-mm. No, it's just oh. one of the. So it's like, Lisa, you know, like Island. Well, it's different now, but I, I first went about a decade ago when only the Hogsmeade area in Islands of Adventure was open. So at the time, there was two different tickets. It was Universal Studios and it was Islands of Adventure. Um, And so it, the Harry Potter part was just like a section of the Islands of Adventure Park. So you paid your admission ticket to Islands of Adventure, and then you could do Harry Potter, which was next to Dr. Seuss and Jurassic Park and the Marvel stuff at the time. Like, So do, is there any kind of... Um, so I know with the Star Wars parks within the Disney parks, there's It's exactly no, like that. So it's just kind of like open air you walk through there's no like turnstile you walk through Uh, not as of it i mean i don't know if it's different now but i don't think so as of a decade ago it was just like this is part of the park yeah so i i wonder and i was gonna say like do you don't have to scan your ticket for anything so i don't know how they figure out and i don't know if it's something where like based on the amount of people that go on these rides or Mm -hmm. or frequent these shops or restaurants that's how they break down like essentially how much of the money they are, you know, contributing to yeah. the overall ticket sales. Like, I don't know what their their inner workings look like. So one data point comes from admissions to Universal overall as soon as the Wizarding World opened. So it increased ticket sales over 30% that okay. next year. Um, and then that rate kept up over like the next decade. Gotcha. Now, okay, so you might I, be damn. able to figure it out from that. And I, I'm... I would guess that there's some sort of like amusement park way of gaining that metric. Yes, that's definitely yeah, sure. someone's job. Like someone like sampling or counting or some shit, like you said, like rides or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I pulled all of this information from many different sources and I've had a couple of drinks, so I don't remember where it all came from. Um, but that's what I found. And it's a lot of money, right? And uh, 
I guess my last question to you both is why does it matter? <laughs> and Sean, you you really came in great here to kind of answer that question. What are what are some other questions you came up with around that? Yeah. So something that we talked about in I think our introduction episode where we kind of covered like our relationships with Harry Potter and you know why we were choosing to make a podcast in the current environment and what it's like to be a Harry Potter fan right now um, is because the idea of being a Harry Potter fan and an ethical consumer is like really tricky. And there is a lot of opinions about it. And especially in online communities, it is like just like such a such a hot topic and one that Mm -hmm. it gets so hostile so quickly. Um, And so when we're thinking about like how much money is this franchise bringing in, where is the breakdown of where is the money coming from? How much money is J.K. Rowling making from this? Like she is someone that I think we, you know, I think we've had a firm stance on this podcast that like she does bad things. She has she has bad opinions that like hurt people Mm -hmm. and we don't want to. So the balancing act of being a Harry Potter, being a lifelong Harry Potter fans and having this franchise still mean a lot to us and also being like, I don't want to financially support someone who says and does a lot of things that ethically are against what we believe in becomes very difficult. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's easy when, you know, in our normal episodes, when we're just talking about in universe stuff like to forget that all of this does have real world consequences when you know we're talking about where we put our dollars so when we're thinking of ethical consumption you guys have probably heard that especially since in the u.s since the 2016 election the idea of like voting with your dollar Mm -hmm. has become a phrase that's used a lot um Mm -hmm. and basically what that concept is is that like where you're choosing to put your money is an indication of what you support. So if you say like, I stand against JK Rowling's like turf statements and her political views, but you're like, I also then spent $800 on tickets to the park or to the stage show or whatever, you know, you are, it, it's, it's very ethically tricky. And I don't say that to attack anyone or to make them, you know, feel bad. Um, I know for, for me personally, I have tried very hard to figure out where my money is going to not buy, let's say like official merch. Um, some of this, I mean, it's just, I'll admit is easier for me than others because like, I don't like the movies. Like I don't, I don't feel the need to revisit the movies or like stream them or anything like that. And that's not because I'm a better person. It's just because I don't happen to like this. Like I can reread my old books mm-hmm. and you know what I mean? Like my favorite part of the franchise doesn't involve me giving her money. Right. And that doesn't make me ethically superior. It just makes it an easier burden for me. Um, And, you know, and I haven't had the opportunity to go to the theme parks lately. And like, I couldn't afford to see the show on Broadway, but, but none of that is like me making right choices. It's just circumstance. Like if you guys said tomorrow, we're going to the Harry Potter park, do you want to come? Like, 
I don't like, I don't know. Would I be like, no, because I'm so ethically supportive, superior. I would never pay for that. Like, I don't, yeah. I don't pretend to know like that that would be an easy answer for me. Yeah. 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 It's definitely something that I've thought a lot about because like I've never been to the Harry Potter world things. Um, and for people who like people who know us, right. People in my life think that's crazy that I haven't been there um, since like, I, I believe we certainly talked about this on the show. Like my recall on the books is like, I, I know these books beginning to end. Um, and like, I do have a hard time saying that I would go, right? But at the same time, I don't necessarily have a have a hard time saying I would go to Disney World. So like, I don't really know where, like yeah. where my ethical right. boundary falls, right? Like, so at the at the end of the day, truly, if if y'all were like, we're going to Harry Potter World and we're gonna try to figure out how to do it in a way that's like you can afford it and not in like an ethical way, just like in a way that's affordable, I would be like, yes, probably let's go. Yeah. You know? And so like, and just because like, and it, it's hard, right? Because it sucks because you write, like you're putting money into the pocket of a person who's causing so much harm and like just causing like so much, so much hardship and, and, and like betrayal to a lot of people who have really felt so connected to this series. Um, and it's something also that's like, you want to go so it's like like how do you how do you sacrifice that idea of like I want to stay connected without supporting it um it's 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 an impossible line to tread it's really fucking difficult like I am in real time struggling with this right now yeah just in the course of this conversation because like dollars are data points and that's how you vote with your dollar um I don't have a lot of dollars but like I'm I don't know like okay so I'm a I'm non-binary I am a trans person I I pass as an as a white man and that is so many layers of privilege and so it's like I second guess my stance on the whole thing because I'm like, well, you're like within the community that she is um, phobic of, but you're like cool with being a fan and supporting it. Therefore, whatever, it must be easy for everyone. No, that's not true. Like I'm a white person and I pass as man. And so I don't understand what it's like to be a trans woman and have someone who invented this universe condemn me and make my life less safe. I don't know what that's like. Um, so it almost feels like, I, I feel like I don't really have a grip on the whole argument around supporting her or not. One thing I'll say is that I don't think the universe has become a rallying point for transphobic people or a place no. where people find safety to espouse transphobic ideologies. In fact, I think it's quite the opposite, yeah. where it's made people come out really hardcore against her stance and still live in this world, celebrate it and love it. And so that gives me a little bit of comfort. As far as like lining her pockets, my dollars are not gonna 
make a difference in whether or not she can do anything. <laughs> and but if we but if we all felt that way and kept our dollars out, then it would make a difference. So it's like for sure, it's like this whole multi-layered thing. Um, but as far as far as like how to stay connected to to the universe, like I would go to the park in a fucking heartbeat if I could. I would go to the park when it comes to like the birthday party I had. We didn't spend a single dime on franchised licensed material. It was all like DIY Harry Potter shit. Yeah. Um, and so I think I think that it should be a complex issue. It should remain one. Um, I think when you can keep from spending money on it, that's that's an ethical thing to do when it comes to like, if you're going to have a party for your four-year-old or fucking whoever who loves Harry Potter, your 30-year-old. Um, get your shit on Etsy. Get your shirts on yeah, Etsy. Like. Get your shit on Etsy. Don't buy Warner Brothers bullshit. You know what I mean? Like there are ways to go about it where you're being, where you're contributing less to it while right. still enjoying it. Yeah. So I want to acknowledge that there is a deeper level to this and again obviously I don't say this to make anyone feel bad because like here I am on hosting a Harry Potter podcast Um, (laughs) there there is a school of thought that like just saying like I'm gonna you know I'm gonna keep my dollars I'm gonna do fan licensed stuff or I'm gonna you just read my buy the books used or something like you know get everything used or something like that there is a slightly I will say more like militant section that would say that that's not good enough either because mm-hmm. even having this podcast really like, clearly jk rowling's not making any we're not making money from this podcast <laughs> she's not making money from this we're podcast we're buying no licensed materials <laughs> our like, fan art or our our podcast art is all made by me and an ipad right. so we're, we're all losing time and money to this podcast so i hope jk rowling is doing the same <laughs> but um you know, but there are there are definitely a lot of people who would argue that even us having this podcast and talking about Harry Potter or going back and being like, I'm going to read the books that I already own and then have a, you know, an unlicensed birthday party, you know, with my my friends on it is keeping Harry Potter and the cultural consciousness enough that it will somewhere down the line encourage some sort of spending. So even if yeah. she's not getting dollars from it, the fact that we're talking about Harry Potter or still engaging with this content through fan fiction or rereads or, or yeah. podcasts or something like that is basically just like, it's keeping its popularity up enough that, you know, in five years, HBO might be like, people still love Harry Potter. We're going to make a show or yeah. like, we're going to read, we're going to keep the fantastic beast franchise going, even if it's not doing well right now, yeah. we're going to keep making Legos or video games or whatever it is. And those people are, I mean, they're not technically, wrong i yeah i don't necessarily agree with them but i but i don't think they're wrong either and i i do want to just call that out because that is a real divide within the community of is is any vocal interest even if it isn't commodified is it still essentially lining her pocket yeah that is that's brilliant because if we're looking at dollars as data points 
Um, things like internet trafficking, Google traffic is also used to like, like you'll read uh, articles about politics and they'll talk about how many times Trump has been Googled as opposed to Biden and like setting that against other presidents. Like all of these things do amount to buying power, even if it's yeah. not using our dollar. Yeah. And I think what's so hard with the Harry Potter franchise is like at a certain point, this became something that my God, she did not expect it to become right. Mm-hmm. Like there's no chance that she started writing these books and she was like, I, this is going to become what it is. Um, and like, it's a force that's beyond her at this point. Like there is no stopping the Harry Potter train of, of, of fans and, and people who love it. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a hard thing to let go of. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and, I, and it's I'm, a hard ask. Yeah. And I'm definitely not like, no, I know we're not, this is any, not our last episode. Deci- yeah. I'm not like asking us to even make <laughs> any kind of decision. I mostly want, you know, I want people to know that we don't, we are not thinking uncritically about yeah. these things. And th- these are definitely yeah. all things that are in our mind as we continue, you know, to make this podcast and yeah. Like, yeah. As we continue to, to talk about it. And like, you know, sometimes like I'll see something like I I had a friend for you know as a gift a couple of years ago she had bought me one of the the beautiful new like illustrated versions of Harry Potter and she Mm -hmm. had bought me like um a a print from the company that does all of the graphics and stuff for the movie um and you know I have that like hanging in my kitchen I have that book on display and I am like super tempted to to buy the other books as they come out in the series and every time I go to like to pull the trigger I'm like oh this feels so, like I haven't uh, yet because it just feels it does feel so bad yeah I'm, I'm buying this illust- I've been buying one a year of the illustrated for my niece and nephew because I want them to have the magic yeah. and, and the that's illustrated a, that's a huge and, thing too when you think yeah. about like you know if if we have kids or we have children in our lives that we want to like mm-hmm. you know I, I know there are probably plenty of people who would say that like we shouldn't be doing that like we shouldn't be introducing them to that and that's a re- that's a really hard thing to I don't know that it's just really complicated it's I just okay want to acknowledge to not, that it's really complicated it's so it's complex there's so much nuance and it's also okay to not know it's no. like so yeah. okay and I think it's really positive for us to to struggle with it and talk about it most people aren't <laughs> talking about the yeah, struggle yeah. with it there's a person um in my network who I went through undergrad with in Asheville um we ran in loose circles together and she's posted things on Facebook that have really made me stop and think where she's like vehemently anti-Harry Potter after being a lifelong fan yeah. um she identifies as trans and uh, she shared a thing a couple months ago that was like J.K. Rowling straight up plagiarized like this fantasy series, this fantasy series, this fantasy series. So if you love Harry Potter, what you can do is like go read the original source material. I didn't even look into the source material, but I was like, oh fuck! Like you're probably onto something, and I like don't even want to take on the like discomfort of looking into what those are <laughs> so I, I i obviously have you seen stuff like that no i i haven't and i obviously don't know exactly what she is referring to i will say oh. that um a lot of genre fiction 
borrows from each other and that yeah. also themes are universal and oh yeah people sometimes throw around that term really loosely mm-hmm. when that's like not true I could see yeah it's really true, easy yeah. to and it's also really easy to like intuit that right like it's, it's, it's really easy to like to read something else and be like, wow, this really mimics. And this came out first. Like it's really easy to make those connections and make yeah. those parallels because of, of things like that. And I, and I think Sean, you're, you're right about so many, so much of that. Where like, it's so hard because at the end of the day, we're not that unique. And also these yeah. stories rely very heavily on archetypes and that mm-hmm. there are common tropes within genre and fantasy. Like I read a ton of, modern fantasy novels that I'm like, wow, this is exactly like the other book I just read. Yeah. And that's just because like a lot of those tropes are super common and people really like them. The hero's yep. journey. Like yeah. you can boil down most of these fantasy series to like fitting that cadence. So I think it's okay to say, you know, and I definitely, I know people who will say like, okay, if you're trying not to read Harry Potter anymore or engage with this series, like here's mm-hmm. a bunch of other fantasy series that I think would, would work for you. And I, totally support that because I think, you know, I I would be thrilled if people read a ton of fantasy books, like the, you know, whatever, the the more titles you read, the better. Um, But that doesn't mean that she stole things from them. I hear that. Yeah. And I didn't even look into it enough to like, but it has stuck with me as like, am I being a bad queer? (laughs) Which is a larger conversation. (laughs) Yeah. And I, I, I certainly, I have a lot of friends um who struggle with that mm-hmm. same like question of like and I and I'm I certainly have friends in my group who just like can't it's it's such a bad taste in their mouth that they can't anymore like Harry Potter no longer like resonates with them as like a safe space yeah um and you know on that same metric I have folks who are like you know JK has put this out there and we can't forget it but I don't think about her when I read Harry Potter right I think about the happy memories I had as a child I think of how it like created an escape and like a place of acceptance for me and I don't think either response is incorrect right I think it's it's all about like your response to it and how you feel how it makes you feel right like so I think I think it's just trying to figure out a way to like be good and feel as like you know okay about uh, okay about it as possible right I think I, I, think, I think it's an impossible thing to find the right there there's there is no right answer here yeah. right so there there isn't there isn't even like something that you can figure out right there there is no right answer it's what it's it's what's right for you I think we might be grappling with but not naming cancel culture I think this is like the nuance that can be around cancel culture. Um, but I also wonder like what things make the cut of being nuanced enough to discuss as opposed to what things just like get canceled. And so yeah. for part two. <laughs> yeah, I, I think what for me, what gets like really, really tricky about Harry Potter in particular, but any any story where you still have a living, breathing person who is benefiting from, like, benefiting financially or in terms of power dynamics or something, right. you know, from from the series. Um, because, like, uh, the term, like, death of the author gets thrown out a lot, and a lot of people oh. are using it incorrectly. Um, what does it mean? 
So what death of the author means is basically that it's a school of thought that once, uh, in this case, an author, but it could be, it could be a musician. It could be any kind of artist. Like it could be a movie, whatever. Once the product has been put out into the marketplace, um, they lose control over the meaning of it. So if I write a story and I say, this story is about, I'm totally making this up. If I say this story is about trauma and I release it and the audience is actually like, no, this story is about this other theme. Me insisting that story is about trauma doesn't carry weight anymore because as soon as it's out of my hands, I don't have control over the meaning of it. Hmm. Um. So, so with, JK Rowling, the idea is that like, even though she has these terrible opinions and ideas, like basically like, because Harry Potter has, has gone out, like the fans own it. Like if, if she comes out and says, I wrote transphobia into the Harry Potter series and I'm a fan and I'm like, well, I didn't fucking read that in there. So I'm Mm -hmm. rejecting your interpretation of it, that I have the right to do that. Okay. Mm-hmm. So that's how you you can kind of get around some of the like cultural parts of separating art from artists. So being like, I still want to enjoy this story, even if I don't agree with the writer. Um, where that becomes very tricky. And and the reason people were using this wrong is a lot of people are saying death of the author as though like taking it literally as though like it's okay to (laughs) enjoy things after someone dies because they can't benefit from it anymore and that's just like that isn't what that term means yeah um that's so interesting i definitely took it literally i am no no, a a lot of a lot of people did and i mean i only know this term because like i have a master's in english and it's part of literary criticism (laughs) like that you know it's it's not something that is like i would expect anyone else to know um talk about that in calculus (laughs) <laughs> you didn't talk about calculus, um, but it, it does become tricky. So I, I think it's very easy with Harry Potter to say, I'm separating art from artists culturally. I can still enjoy this thing. But the fact is like, she still is alive and well and is benefiting from uh-huh. your dollar. Yeah. Um, and so it is, you know, I'm not saying that this should, this podcast, this episode is going to like change anyone's opinions or spending habits or anything like that. Nor do I think that we are authority in which like, we should, should tell you to do that or you should listen to us um you should listen to us but you should listen to us but you don't have to listen but to you'll us. like listen to <laughs> us. um but I, you know i i do i do hope that fans are engaging critically and at least when they are using their spending power in relation to harry potter like they are you do have to keep those things in mind. And sometimes it's just a discomfort as you do it. And other times maybe it's not doing this thing or finding a workaround, like buying the books used or, or, you know, buying from a maker off Etsy or reading fan fiction or something like that. Like I said, there's plenty of people that say that doesn't go far enough, but I'm not, I'm, I'm not really taking a side in, in any of that because I clearly engage in the Harry Potter maker market. So, um, but I, you know, I, I do think it's important as we're talking about what the financial implication of the wizarding world is in real life and, and where those dollars are going, that it is something that fans should at least be aware of. Oi. Yeah. Oy. How to like divest. <laughs> yeah, that. no, really. It, yeah, it's, seriously. It's, it's really hard. It's really complicated. It's really sticky. And like, uh, you know, it, there is no 
there isn't a right answer. There isn't an easy answer for it. There's like a right answer in a perfect world, but we don't, we don't live in an easy, perfect world. So it's true. It's true. So I, I don't know. Yeah. We Um, don't live in a world of black and whites, right? Like it's like, we, we live in a very, like everything is gray, right? Everything, nothing is, I mean, well, I guess something like, but nothing. I mean, like you really can't think of a great example of where, where things are like so perfectly cut and dry. And it's like easy to, you know, follow media, you know, with some like, like Tolkien for a very long time has been accused of racism in the Lord of the Rings books and and various other, you know, aspects of it. Um, But the fact is he's dead. So it it doesn't fucking matter. People don't care as much because he's dead. He's not benefiting. Right. So you can just say like, well, I, I mean, I, Lisa and I, obviously we have we engage with Lord of the Rings all the time. Um, I do I do know the areas of the books people are talking about. I don't know that I would necessarily have assumed they were racist if I didn't know that the conversation around it identified it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and I'm I'm not saying anyone is right or wrong in that. I'm saying that like he's not getting my money anymore. So if you're just like, well, I'm gonna keep reading the books and the movies as long as they don't actively play into those elements of it, like, well, who's gonna stop you? Because like He's dead, right. not benefiting. Peter Jackson's benefiting now, so. Right. So it's all, it's so messy. And I think that I don't know is like a beautiful and humble okay. and realistic response to all of That's these questions. That's an okay response. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. But be discriminating in the sense that... <laughs> you choose well i mean the word discriminating gets i know it's just the way that they're going but i think to be discriminating with your dollar is a good thing to do i do absolutely i think we can all agree though you should not be spending your money on the script version of harry potter and the cursed child oh because Uh, it's made of absolute unless unless it's the only thing for sale and you really need to start a fire yeah ah and, it, and you buy and you buy it and you buy it used. And you buy it used. <laughs> you, buy it used. <laughs> you, you just shoplifted it. it. Just just boost it. Just honestly, everybody should steal. Steal. Uh, <laughs> le- like- legally, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> we don't know. Okay. No. And who is listening to this pod? Who's tattling on us here? Who's tattling? Is you it never, someone from you, the Netherlands? Okay, you never know because one of the things I was gonna bring up is that. In terms of like franchising and like using the Harry Potter like lo- like logo and names and shit, Warner Brothers is famously litigious. Oh yeah, because I used to, I have gone to um so I live in Philadelphia, one of the suburbs of Philadelphia, Chestnut Hill. Used to do an amazing Harry Potter festival. Like mm-hmm. it was like they had special trains with Septa called the Hogwarts Express. They people dress up. It was fucking incredible. Like they made the whole town Hogsmeade or like Diagon Alley or whatever, and everyone got dressed up That's and so like. Cute. It was so cool. And everything was clearly licensed Harry Potter. And Warner Brothers sent them a cease and desist. Yeah. (laughs) So all I'm saying is they know everything. And I just don't know. I don't know where they are. I don't know what they know. Shut the fuck up. I'm (laughs) waiting for our cease and desist. All right? All right? I'll be waiting patiently. That would be amazing. I'll be waiting patiently at the door. Yeah. Well, guess what? Joke's on them. Cease and desist. Jokes on them because if they send it to our email, we're never going to get it. Anyway. We're never going to get, get it. We only take owl posts. <laughs> anyway, any hoozles. This was a journey. Very great discussion. Yeah, this was. Super I interesting. 
I did not know where we were going from beginning to end. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I really felt like a mole on this otherwise very good discussion. <laughs> um, you mean like uh, yeah. the inside guy or like a thing on your oh, face? Oh, meaning like I was just like a blemish. Oh, like okay. I added, <laughs> like, uh, I added nothing. I could have lifted right out. Um, oh, you're never. I'm the third host. You're right? our third co-host. Stop it. <laughs> uh, yeah, my God. All of that was very fascinating. I, I really did not know what was happening tonight. Yeah, thanks for coming on the ride. You're a great oh, sport. Oh my god! I need a job <laughs> or a master's degree. All right. All right, y'all. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks uh, for coming we should, along. Yeah, you should uh, email us, and I say should, but you should not. Email if you us. want to, our email is watcherharrypod at gmail dot com. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and our and Insta. What is it? Watch it's, a Harry uh, podcast. Our Instagram at, is at Watch Our Harry Podcast. Yes. At um, Instagram.com. Yeah. We occasionally check that once in a while. Yes. I don't uh, even have it anymore. Oh, go ahead. Caleb won't check it. Nope. Okay. I we have it. Lisa and I will check it. Yeah, we'll check it. <laughs> um, and if you if you like the show and you want to rate or review us on iTunes, that actually helps a lot. And that would it be does. super cool. If you said nice things friends. about it, we would appreciate it. Thanks, y'all. Friends. Tell your friends. Bye. Thank you, guys. Bye. Bye. The Watcher Harry podcast is hosted by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, Lisa Moen, and Caleb Kelleher. Our editing is done by me, Sean Fitzpatrick, and our theme music is Dance Macabre Busy Strings by Kevin McLeod at Incompetech.com. It's licensed under Creative Commons by Attribution 3.0 license. <laughs>